Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled Thomas's Role in the Lineage of Jesus. We'll be studying Genesis chapter 38. Before we go any further, let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so excited to be studying today in Genesis 38 and learning about many of the women which the world would otherwise despise, but that were in the lineage of Joseph and ultimately of Jesus, your son. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word that continues to teach us your values and continues to empower us and change us and mold us into your image. Lord, may you impart what each one has need of in the name of your son Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall be listening to Genesis chapter 38. Chapter 38. And it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adullamite whose name was Hira. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he took her and went in unto her. And she conceived and bare a son, and he called his name Ur. And she conceived again, and bare a son, and she called his name Onan. And she yet again conceived and bare a son, and called his name Shelah, and he was at Kezib when she bare him. And Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. And Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord slew him. And Judah said unto Onan, Go in unto thy brother's wife, and marry her, and raise up seed to thy brother. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his. And it came to pass, when he went in unto his brother's wife, that he spilled it on the ground, lest that he should give seed to his brother. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, wherefore he slew him also. Then said Judah to Tamar his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow at thy father's house, till Shelah my son be grown. For he said, Lest peradventure he die also, as his brethren did. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. And in process of time the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died. And Judah was comforted and went up unto his sheep shearers to Timnath, he and his friend Hira the Adulamite. And it was told Tamar, saying, Behold, thy father-in-law goeth up to Timnath to shear his sheep. And she put her widow's garments off from her, and covered her with a veil, and wrapped herself, and sat in an open place which is by the way to Timnath. For she saw that Shelah was grown, and she was not given unto him to wife. When Judah saw her, he thought her to be an harlot, because she had covered her face. And he turned unto her by the way, and said, Go to, I pray thee, let me come in unto thee. For he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What wilt thou give me, that thou mayest come in unto me? And he said, I will send thee a kid from the flock. And she said, Wilt thou give me a pledge till thou send it? And he said, What pledge shall I give thee? And she said, Thy signet, and thy bracelets, and thy staff that is in thine hand. And he gave it her, and came in unto her, and she conceived by him. And she arose and went away, and laid by her veil from her, and put on the garments of her widowhood. And Judah sent the kid by the hand of his friend the Adulamite to receive his pledge from the woman's hand. But he found her not. Then he asked the men of that place, saying, Where is the harlot that was openly by the wayside? And they said, There was no harlot in this place. And he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. And also the men of the place said, That there was no harlot in this place. And Judah said, Let her take it to her, lest we be shamed. Behold, I sent this kid, and thou hast not found her. 
And it came to pass about three months after, that it was told Judah, saying, Tamar thy daughter-in-law hath played the harlot, and also, behold, she is with child by whoredom. And Judah said, Bring her forth, and let her be burnt. When she was brought forth, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man whose these are am I with child. And she said, Discern, I pray thee, whose are these, the signet, and bracelets, and staff? And Judah acknowledged them, and said, She hath been more righteous than I, because that I gave her not to Shelah my son. And he knew her again no more. And it came to pass in the time of her travail, that, behold, twins were in her womb. And it came to pass when she travailed, that the one put out his hand, and the midwife took and bound upon his hand a scarlet thread, saying, This came out first. And it came to pass, as he drew back his hand, that, behold, his brother came out, and she said, How hast thou broken forth? This breach be upon thee. Therefore his name was called Pharez. And afterward came out his brother, that had the scarlet thread upon his hand. And his name was called Zerah. Up next, we shall be listening to a sermon preached by Rev. William Branham titled Hebrews chapter 7, part 2. This was preached in 1957 on September the 22nd in the evening. We'll begin at paragraph 393 up to paragraph 421. I trust you find this to be a blessing. Just before closing, do you remember the unconditional covenant that God made with Abraham? What did he do that evening when God said, let me see it? When Abraham said, let me see how you go to do it. 16th chapter, I think it is, of Genesis. Let me see how you're going to do it. He said, come here, Abraham. And he talked to Abraham and said, go get me a, a ram. And go get me a, a, a goat. And go get me a heifer. And I want you to take him up here and make a sacrifice. And Abraham went and got the sheep and the, and the goat and the, uh, the, the, lamb, or the heifer. And he killed them. It's all clean sacrifices. And split them halfway in two and laid them out. Then he went and got two turtle doves and pitched them in. Then Abraham watched the birds off of them, waiting for God to come. Now, Lord, there's a sacrifice. How are you going to do this? I don't know how you go to save man against his own will. I don't know how you go to do this. How can you do it, Lord? Lord said, I watch Abraham. You're a prophet. You're spiritual. And you'll understand what I'm talking about. All right, Lord, I want to see it. Now, I'm just dramatizing. So, Abraham, you come up here now. And sit down here and watch them birds off. So he shooed all the birds away until the sun started going down. And the first thing you know, God came down. When he came down, Abraham began to get sleepy. God said, Abraham, I'm going to put you to sleep. Now listen, legalist friend. See, God took Abraham completely out of the picture. Nothing at all he had to do into it. And that's why he got you. You said, oh, I sought God. You didn't. God sought you. No man can come to me except my father draws him first. See? It's God seeking you, not you seeking God. You never did do it. Your nature's wrong. You're a pig. You don't know any different. You just live in a pig pen. That's all you know. You love it. Drinking beer, slopping around, running to the other man's wife and doing everything you can do is evil. It seems good. Oh, brother, we're having a big time. You think it's good. But God knocks at your heart. That's what changes. Not you knocking at God. God knocks at you. Adam never knocked at God's heart. God knocked at Adam's heart. And you're son of Adam. That's right. Before Adam could be a son of God again, God had to knock at his heart. And before you can become a son of God, God's got to knock at your heart. Then Abraham went to sleep. And when he went to sleep, 
What was the first thing he saw? A real horrible, spooky, dread darkness. That's death that comes upon the whole human race. Then he looked a little farther than that, and he saw a smoking furnace. Before you can have smoke, you have to have fire. That's the reason I believe in hell as a burning place. All right, he showed every one of us is subject to death, and every one of us should go to hell because we're sinners. Now, but beyond that, he saw a little white light. And this little white light, what is the light? What was that white light? That pillar of fire that went before the children of Israel. The pillar of fire that met Paul on the road down to Damascus. The pillar of fire that took Peter out of prison. The pillar of fire that's here tonight. That eternal, everlasting God. He himself walked between these split sacrifices. Oh, my. Back and forth on each one. This is how I'm going to do it, Abraham. Watch me what I'm going to do. I'm making a covenant here. And I'll take an oath that according to the seed, I'll raise up an intercessor. I'll make a covenant with death. And I'll condemn death in the flesh because I myself will come take it. Abraham said, through your seed, Abraham will come. You'll be the father of the world. Through your seed, and not only you did I make this promise with you, but your seed after you. He knew everyone would be not them, but what I do. I'm going to do it, Abraham. I trusted Adam, and he broke his, and everyone breaks theirs. But I'll make this with myself and swear by myself I'll keep it. Amen. What do we do when we make a covenant? I say, Brother Neville, now watch this just a minute. I say, Brother Neville, tell you what I'll do. If you will preach until... Tomorrow night and next night on to Wednesday, I'll preach from Wednesday on to Sunday. You make that for agreement? Yes, sir. Here's the way we do it. Shave, boy. That's it. That's a covenant in America. That's how we make a covenant. Now, how do they make a covenant? In Japan, we make, say, you do so-and-so and I'll do so-and-so. We take a little pinch of salt because salt is a savior. And we take salt and I throw it on Brother Neville. And Brother Neville takes salt, salt and throw it on me. That's a binding covenant. How did David Livingston make a covenant with the African Negro to go into his land? He went and got the chief that he could pass through up there to preach the gospel and to do the work. And they took a glass of wine. Here's the covenant with the Negro in Africa. They had a glass of wine. And the Negro chief plucked his own veins and bled them out in this glass of wine. And David Livingston plucked his own veins and bled it out in a glass of wine. They stirred it up. Livingston drank half of it. And the Negro chief drank half of it. Then they gave a present one to another. The Negro chief, David Livingston, said, What do you require of me? He said, That white coat you got on. So Livingston took his coat off and gave it to the Negro chief. He said, What do you require? He said, That sacred spear you got in your hand. Because he knew he could go in with that. So he took that spear. And they were brothers. Because they made a covenant. And as he went forth and the tribesmen ran out to kill him, he raised up that sacred spear. And when he did it, they looked and they said, oh, oh, we can't touch that man. Wow, he's a covenant brother. Amen. Though he's white, we never seen him before. They never knew they were black till they seen him. They never seen such before, but he's a covenant brother. He's got the chief spear in his hand. What a beautiful picture today of drinking the covenant of the blood of the Lord Jesus with the power of the Holy Ghost upon us. Amen. We go forward in the name of Jesus and these signs shall follow them that belong. It's a sacred spear of the chief. Amen. 
See how it is, the covenant? How did they do it in the Oriental time? They made an oath one to another. They killed a beast, split it open, and stood right in between the, the two men, stood between them, the split beast. And they drawed up a covenant. If I fail to keep this, if I fail to do this, while this and so and so, let my body be like this dead beast. Let my body be like this dead beast. And when they do that, they take this covenant and stand between this, make an oath, take an oath that they'll do it, and they tear the paper together apart and hand it to one man, the other, and the next. At a certain time, they'll be. And let them die to death if they fail to keep that oath and be like those dead beasts. All right. You notice the three beasts, the perfect, the lamb, goat, and the three perfect sacrifice. What was the lamb, what was the turtle dove? And what was the two turtle doves meant? The two turtle doves was sacrifice for both salvation and healing in the, in the, that went into it. See, the atonement was made different. But healing continued the same, and so did salvation continue the same. The two turtle doves not divided meant they're represented both salvation by his stripes we were healed. He was wounded for our transgressions with his stripes we were healed. They were laid on the side, not separated. But the covenant, the part of the beast was three of them cut apart. You see, then when they did that, they tore and made their covenant. Watch what God was telling Abraham at Calvary. At Calvary, according to your seed, out of you come Isaac, out of Isaac comes so and so, Jacob out, Jacob come, Joseph out, Joseph on down, on down, on down, successors, till finally through that righteous seed, he just got through here saying that our Lord sprung out of a nation that no, not Moses, never even spoke of it. Come out of a priesthood. Our Lord sprung out of the tribe of Judah, not out of Levi, for they were carnal legalists, but our Lord come out of Judah. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, Hearing, Recognizing, Acting on the Word of God. This was preached in 1960 on February the 21st. We'll begin the paragraph 72 up to paragraph 81. I trust you find this to be a blessing. Saul hated it. And his children does the same thing yet to this day. They hate it. It's always been. Whenever there is a revival, it always produces twins. That's a rude remark, but it's true. When there was a birth out of from Isaac and Rebekah, it produced twins. When the world was created, it produced twins, two trees. And when uh, Cain and Abel were born, it produced two. When uh, Ishmael and Isaac was born, it produced two. And when Esau and Jacob was born, it produced two. One of them, natural. One of them, of the earth. The other, supernatural. One looked at the natural intellectual, the other walked by the Spirit. It's always been that way. When the Lutheran church came forth, let's take Pentecost first. Look at the Pentecostal birth. It brought forth a great powerful revival that swept the known world. Pentecost. It wasn't long after Pentecost, even Paul said, that there would be man rise up among them with perverse things and would turn the people away from God. And that's just it. 
exactly what they done. It produces two. When the Lutheran church is born, Martin Luther brought forth the spiritual revival. Wasn't very long, but here come Esau right behind him and organized it down, and it produced two. Then after that come the Methodist, John Wesley, a spiritual revival. And after that come the organization, organized it down, it had produced two. And after that come Pentecost, a revival, and now they've organized it, and now they've settled down to organization, and it produces two. But that spiritual seed of the living God, though it has to be a sojourner, though it has to be a rambler, it always causes separation. Esau didn't last very long with Jacob. As soon as Jacob obtained the birthright, he called for separation. Man, I don't care what church you belong to. If it's carnal and you're associated, you run with the people you play cards with in your uh, uh, literature societies and so forth. When you obtain the birthright, that something is down in your heart that's hungered for God. When you receive that, it calls for separation. Come out from among them. Separation. Church settles down. See, it cannot go on. Esau is a very good type of the carnal believer today. Never able to overcome the world. He don't overcome the things of the world. They still like their crowding, their dancing, their manicure, makeups, and the women on their faces, and, and uh, cutting their hair, and, and wearing these little old short clothes, and, and men like to go out to the pool rooms, and and smoke cigarettes and tell little dirty jokes and still belong to the church. They're never able to overcome those things. Neither could Esau. But yet to be religious, he had to settle down to an intellectual conception. That's the same thing the church does today. We'll become an organization. We'll put ourselves together. We'll make a clan or clique or something like that. That's the way the church moves today, the spiritual and the carnal. Still the same. It hasn't changed and never will change. As you get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word that we've just heard. May it fall on fruitful ground, be the seed that's thrown on good ground, and may your Holy Spirit water it that it may bring forth fruit. For you've told us that you are the vine and we are the branches. And you said the branch that won't bear any fruit will be hewn and thrown into the fire. So help us, Lord, to be found worthy and fruitful believers of this gospel. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
Rumble.